What's up, everyone? I recently got the chance to be part of a roundtable interview with the creators of The Bad Batch. This one is with Michelle Eng, who plays Omega. I wanted to throw out a quick warning that some of the questions and answers get into very light spoilers for Season 3, so I took those out and I moved them to the end of the video, just in case you want to watch the Season 3 premiere without any extra knowledge. I'll throw up a spoiler warning before that section. But that said, please enjoy the interview. Hi, this is Trisha from Fangirls Going Rogue. Um, Omega has this incredible ability to hope for the best from people or situations. What do you think the audience can learn from her optimism? You know, that optimism can get you through the face of some really challenging times. Um, season three is a really, is a, is a big one for Omega. She suddenly is hit with the realization that her, that she might be the cause for uh, why the Bad Batch is constantly in peril and that weighs pretty heavy. <laughs> Um, so I think, yeah, that, that this, no matter how bleak the circumstances, if you can find a way to, to have hope, then, uh, then that can sustain you through some dark times. Thank you so much. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Omega is an, is a total beacon of joy and hope for so many of us. And I want to thank you for that. Now, when you think about her journey, especially in this season, what do you think the most important thing for her to learn has been as her character in the series has progressed? For this season, I would say sort of self-confidence. Season two was so much about like learning skills from all of the different brothers. But now there's a big chunk of the season where she's literally alone or at least separated from most of most of the people she's relied on in the past. So it's this self-reliance that brings about a self-confidence that kind of sees her through the season. Hello. Um, Omega's grown a lot, but how has she changed for you in the time that you've played her? How has she changed for me? You mean as like how my relationship to her or like in a more physical portrayal kind of Yeah. You, you started off with a kid. You've got now a much more mature, you know, weathered. She's learned a lot and grown a lot. How, so how has that changed for you in, yeah, in terms of the performance? Yeah. And you know what? The the writers have done a beautiful job of of keeping the growth, at, you know, consistent. Um, so really, for me, my job's so easy because these scripts come fully formed and and because we are shooting them chronologically, which sometimes doesn't happen when you're doing live action, uh, I'm building off of the last episode that I've dropped anyway. So my knowledge is up to date with Omegas and I just rely on the yeah, the sort of detail in the script. Hi there. Hi, this is Keith and Kerwin from Father Sun Galaxy. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, nice to see you again. Good nice to see, see you. you again too. So the series has allowed Omega to develop relationships with all of her brothers. What has she learned from each one? From each one? Um, I mean, I feel like, you know, primarily it was with Hunter and then... You, then in season two, there was a we got to explore a lot with tech, RIP, uh, and Echo, and sort of you know the the practical side of like having knowledge and and fixing things, and then Echo sort of the principled nature of knowing what his mission is in terms of which Omega has adopted as well, which is like there are our brothers who need us who are being taken away and tested on and in peril and it's our duty to 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 you know and we should be in service of trying to help them um and then this last season is 
you know, I'm so excited that Omega is reunited with Crosshair because she challenges him. And in some ways, I think Crosshair has something to learn from her <laughs> in this season. Um, and their roles are reversed in some ways. Omega becomes a caretaker and someone with wisdom, both to Crosshair as an individual with what he's going through with his sort of trauma and PTSD and also the reintegration of like um, relationships after a fracture, you know, bringing crosshair back in and, and what forgiveness uh, and, and real love in the face of, you know, in the face of a betrayal and then reuniting together what that can look like. Uh, actually, playing off of that last question, Omega has such a great relationship with each member of the Bad Batch uh, and the dynamic with each one is so different. Which is your favorite member of the Bad Batch to play off of? I feel like across the seasons it's changed because, you know, there has been stronger relationships. But this is an easy question to answer for me at this juncture because season three, it's it's just so delicious, this new dynamic between Crosshair and Omega. And, uh, you know, because Crosshair is getting as good as he gives, you know, there are some juicy moments where she really gets to be like, listen, guy. <laughs> stop stop being stop being like this you this is how you do it and she gets to prove crosshair wrong and there's a sort of like beautiful funny bickering that underneath it all has so much love which is at least in my experience so indicative of what family actually is like the ability to confront and hold accountable and tease and still have it come from a place of of generosity and ultimately love Hi, I'm Caitlin from Sky Talkers. So nice to talk to you today, Michelle. Um, my question is, last season we saw Omega witness the Senate hearings where they discussed the future of the clones. And now she's seeing what's happening to them at Mount Tantus. How do you think experiences like these are changing Omega as she's growing up and her understanding of the galaxy? Well, you know, the, the whole concept to her that there is there are differences between rights of living beings just blew her mind. You know, like some people have rights, some people have, have, you know, the ability to be represented. And then there's this whole community of who she considers her brothers and now sister who, who don't. And so that inequity, I think at first was like sort of mind blowing, but you're at Mount Tantus, it's really dark. Like these, the, the things that are going on there are very, without even having that knowledge of, of politics or whatever just on a on a hum, humane level she's like this is deeply unsettling um this is where the complexity of like the fact that she's still a child but then knowing that things are wrong sort of come into play like I don't think she's worried about fixing the whole galaxy but what she does feel very strongly about is this facility is is doing things to people that 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 I care about and we need to get them all out. So that becomes like a very, very forceful drive throughout season three, which is that not only does she want to extricate both herself and Crosshair, but there's this desire to that is not accomplished until she's managed to take out all the clones from Mount Tantus. Uh, the Kiner's music is always a great highlight of any Star Wars animated series. So how does it feel to have your own musical theme? Is it your ringtone or do you ever listen to it to get through the day? Uh, I mean, listen, I think the composers of the Bad Batch just are 
like the secret weapon because I don't get to see that. I get to obviously be there for the vocal performance. And then when I do pickups, I get to see some of the visuals. Um, some of them are fairly early in the stages, but I only get to, to like hear the composition once I view with the public when the series goes live. Um, so it always blows my mind how much extra emotional heft. I was like, wow, these composers are making me look good. <laughs> like, um, but I, for me that um, the, I don't know the proper word, but the sound of like when the Bad Batch logo comes out is just, yeah, I have such strong emotional correlation of like feeling absolute gratefulness um, when I hear that because I still can't believe I get to be a part of your family. Popping in here real quick to say we're now at the spoiler part of the interview, so this is your warning. Hey, hey, this is Sarah and Richard from Skywalking Through Neverland. It, it is. Hey there. It's so much fun watching scenes between Omega and Batcher. Do you get to record <laughs> scenes with D. Bradley Baker as he's performing Batcher? And how much fun is that? I mean, this is wild and obviously well known at this point. Uh, Dee is just such a vocal magician and he absolutely leapt at the chance to play Batcher. And, you know, with Dee, there's never any, I would be reading the script and there, there are moments where it calls for Batcher to be expressive and it would just be this like long sort of diatribe of moment. And I'd be like, is that, nope, nope, let's go. Okay, <laughs> Dee just brings so much colour to it, which was really essential being that you're right, Omega has this deep connection to a non-speaking character. Um, but yeah, watching D utilize that amazing skill of his is never ever gonna bore me. It's just incredible. Uh hey. one of my favorite hi, one of my favorite Omega character traits is how she will mimic the mannerisms of the people that she looks up to, like Hunter or Fee. Uh, if you could pick any Star Wars character for her to, for her to hang out with and mimic, who would you like to see? Mm, any Star Wars character? Well, so tricky. I don't know. All I can say is, I don't know if you guys have seen up to this part, but like, Asajj Ventress was a real, it was incredibly interesting to Omega. Like, you know, she's come across formidable uh, female figures, but uh, I think that one in particular really sort of took Omega, uh, yeah, took Omega, uh, she had to take a step back and sort of there was this sort of fear and respect and like intrigue. So maybe her. <laughs> um, over the course of three seasons, Omega has kind of won everyone's hearts over. There's some beautiful moments, some intimate ones, some epic ones. I'm wondering if there's a particular Omega moment or even episode that really stands out to you across your three seasons of work. Oh my gosh, that stands out to me. It spans so much, so so much time, and my memory's so bad. But uh, like, I guess I know you guys haven't seen the finale of season three yet, and there were slightly different ways. We, we you know we weren't set on exactly how it was going to end, so there were sort of some explorations. But like as a as a actor and as like an emotional sort of moment. I'd have to say that. I know that's such a mean answer because you haven't seen it, but just I feel like it was it's like the culmination of my journey as a performer and Omega's journey as a character, like all consolidated into like two lines <laughs> or something, you know? Yeah. 
Hi, Michelle. This is Tara Bennett from Star Wars Insider Magazine. Um, I wanted to circle back to the question before last, just in terms of talking about the end of the season. Um, it's really special, you know, that uh, you got a chance to complete the arc of, of your character in the series. And um, uh, without spoilers, but just in terms of your own of your own experience with it, did you treat that final um, script in a different way? Was it... Um, did you want to know what was coming? Um, did you want to be go pure when you when you went into it? I know you said that there were still some changes, but you know, at the end of the day, it's the last time, um, maybe you know, that you'll play her. Um, so it's just interesting to see how you you kind of treated it, and then you know, if it, you wanted to be surprised as you read it. I mean, I knew it was obviously we knew this was the, going to be the final um, season, and it was with great trepidation when I received the last script that I opened it up, and you know, I will admit. It wasn't like I was reading it while I was eating lunch. Like I had to prepare myself emotionally before opening up the document because, yeah, it is. It's it is really sentimental. And and I was I was sad. I, you know, I'm grateful for the journey, but the fact that it had to end after three was you know was surprising and and shocking. But also, I think that the writers have done a beautiful job. The gravity of the final sort of moments. <clears throat> made it easy to feel like that was the culmination of everything. Like the, I was excited um, in one, in one sort of exploration because uh, Amiga was sort of set up uh, with the possibility of a very large future perhaps. And then, um, and then it changed from there. So then I had to park that, um, expectation about where Mega would end up to one side and go with the new idea, um, which was a little bit bittersweet. Uh, but I, I also was able to see some of the previs uh, because the because the last two episodes took a little bit longer to put together, and that was actually really awesome to see the visualization of those final moments, and that yeah, that sort of brought the whole experience together. Okay, great. Uh, so basically, Omega is in the first part of the season, you know, she's captive. And before that, she was free with the Bad Batch. Is there anything you did different with like your prep or your voice acting to display those differences? That's actually really insightful as a question because there was this talk about like, how long has she been in this facility? And you know, we've all talked about her optimism in the face of, you know, terrible things, but even like the, I wanted to make sure it felt real that she was a, a prisoner, you know, and so that kind of the dreariness, the mundaneness, and, you know, she's kept in the cell with like no, nothing stimulating. And it's, she, you know, her closest person that she gets to converse with is Emery, who, although she's her sister, is like so cold and emotionally withholding. Um, so yeah in terms of performance it's like having a physical toll of mundaneness uh adds a bit of like weight or it does it does change your vocal quality and and I did think a lot about that um and sometimes you know the tension between wanting to re remain optimistic but like then physically sort of feeling the burden of you know, being kept or, you know, being in a sterile environment. Um, and I think that that was quite important. Um, I'm glad that you touched on it because it's a pretty, it's a pretty dark space for a young child to be living in.